consider for a moment how many sermons you have heard in your lifetime. Just a few. How many of them do you remember? I mean, other than all of mine, of course. Hebrews, which has often for years been called a letter, is in fact more of a sermon. The writer themselves even calls Hebrews an exhortation. And of all the sermons preached throughout the ancient world, it is the one that remains, that stands the test of time. Not because it's perfect. It stands because its theological teachings endure. The sermon reminds us that the ministry of Christ binds us to our Creator. Hebrews meets our Christian doubt and entreats us to keep believing, to not lose hope. Beginning today, we will hear from the last three chapters of Hebrews over the next four weeks. I urge you to read the entire sermon. You can use the Bible in your pew. Come early for the next few Sundays and begin your meditations and your worship with this ancient sermon, Hebrews. We are listening to what I think of as the best parts in these few weeks. But before I dive into today's portion, I want to sort of review the first 10 chapters. From the very beginning, our preacher wraps Christ's ministry in the stories of our biblical ancestors. Now, the preacher focuses primarily on Moses and Abraham and the covenant that God makes with them. Moses and Abraham, the preacher reminds us, never experienced the fulfillment of the covenants that God makes with them. And yet, they believe. They believe that God keeps God's promises even when it seems completely impossible. Our preacher in Hebrews diligently connects these covenants to the ministry of Christ. That Christ's life, death, and resurrection, his full ministry, establishes a new covenant, the consummation of the promises made to Abraham and Moses. Now these three chapters, chapters 11, 12, and 13 of Hebrews, then expand this theology to include a whole community of our ancestors across space and time. To be honest, it's a little disheartening to see that the preacher focuses only on the men. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Moses, Abraham... I mean, that's all good and well, but we all know that Sarah, Abraham's wife, is as necessary to God's creative work as Abraham. But what matters most is all of their commitment to Yahweh, to God, their creator. These men and women trust God's redeeming purpose for creation, and they are examples and teachers for us. The faith of our ancestors grounds us in something larger than ourselves and what we see. If our commitment to God and following Christ depends solely on us, 
then we will lose our way. Doubts and insecurities will tempt us. But ancestral wisdom reminds us that no trial or tribulation, no temptation is new. We are never the first. Our ancestors have done hard things and still trusted God's promises. Abraham and Sarah, Noah, Moses and Miriam, Deborah and Ruth, the list goes on and on. When there seemed to be no hope, each one of them believed that God would deliver them and their people. Indeed, many of them never saw the consummation of this covenant with God, and yet they always, every time, returned to God's promises to them and their people. Their stories offer us hope. God's promise of redemption for creation remains the same across all of history. Now, Hebrews is also full of warnings. From the beginning, the preacher tells us, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. The preacher knows that we will be tempted to run away from Christ, to follow another way. The commitment of our ancestors, then, inspires us. Imagine for a moment Abraham standing in the vast desert, staring at the stars, trusting that God will give him many descendants. Or imagine Moses' mother tenderly hiding him in a basket, believing that God will deliver him. Or remember the people of Israel looking back across the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his men destroyed in the waters, experiencing their deliverance. Each of these stories pave the way for our own lives. They teach us how to be alert, how to stay awake, how to experience God's presence. They expand our imagination, persuading us that God is beyond what we see and know. Now, Hebrews paints a very positive picture of Abraham and Sarah. But the truth is, is that they made some mistakes. For example, they hid Sarah's identity when they were traveling amongst foreign kingdoms, inevitably putting their own people at great risk. They agreed that Abraham would have a child with his handmaiden, Hagar, only tempting Sarah's jealousy at every turn. And yet, despite these mistakes, God's promises were upheld. Indeed, the promise was greater than what Abraham or Sarah perceived or believed. They lived in tents, imagining a city. And God imagined a nation made of 12 tribes. They compensated for their 
old age and barrenness, imagining that God needed their help to bring God's promises to life. And God turned around and made a great nation of both boys, Isaac and Ishmael. And even those 12 tribes, those two sons, could not imagine God's full intentions for creation. For while they imagined freedom or a kingdom, God prepared for them a place with God, a heavenly, eternal home beyond any kingdom. Now, God's activity doesn't end with Sarah or Abraham. Across generations, God continues to redeem us. Even now, God is doing more for any of us than we can see or know. In today's gospel, Jesus turns to the crowd, a great crowd, trampling on one another, and says to them, sell all your possessions, give alms, make purses that don't wear out. I've always been intimidated by those teachings. And yet, they are essential, reminding us that we must not put our faith in what we own or can achieve. Here again, Jesus is calling us to walk away from all that encumbers us and into God's grace and mercy. Be alert, Jesus says, be prepared. God intends to give us more than we can earn, an unfailing treasure in heaven. Our reading from Hebrews empowers us to believe this word. Abraham and Sarah only knew the promise that their descendants would number the stars. They did not imagine a fellowship of believers across time and nations. Jesus' life establishes a covenant with us. Through the ministry of Christ, we have an indissoluble, indissoluble bond with God. Imagine what that might mean for our lives today or tomorrow or for generations to come. And to be clear, when I say our lives, I mean all of us together. Jesus' imagination, the story that he tells, reveal that all our lives are bound up in one another. Now, the early church lived this reality, having all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. I wonder, how are we bound up in the life of our neighbors? How are God's promises, the very ones made to Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Miriam, how are those promises for us, all of us, together? And let us remember that our imaginations are fueled mostly by what we see and know. I imagine enough food for every child. 
I imagine a place where everyone has a safe home. I imagine freedom from all that divides us. I imagine peace. But my imagination is limited. These are just a glimpse of God's redeeming work, incredible work for all of creation. God's imagination is limitless. Christ calls us to follow beyond what we know and what we see, to follow him where he calls us. This is an invitation to stake our whole lives and our life together on God's promises, even when they sound preposterous or seem impossible. We can root our lives in the promises of God's mercy, grace, and peace. We might not ever know the fullness of what this means. And we can try. We can live like our lives depend on trying. We will make mistakes, have no doubt. But in the trying, we will come so close to God. And God will come so close to us. And maybe for a moment, we will catch a glimpse of God's kingdom right here, right now.